Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Joining me on episode 26 as co-host is a man you know on Twitter as JepaDT. Welcome to the show, Jep, and have you pulled out that jigsaw puzzle yet? <laughs> hey, Pete, how are you? Yeah, no, the jigsaw puzzle is, um, is still stacked on top of each other, waiting to be framed, but um, the kids have had jigsaw puzzles all over the house. It's, it's quite a scene. Jep, you're a man ahead of time, I am sure of it, because we had the Australian Prime Minister mention that everyone needs puzzles on Sunday Sunday night or last Sunday week ago, and then all of a sudden you were ahead of your time quite a few months ago finishing your nearly 40,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. I know, and you know what? I actually, with my wife, I Googled the, the biggest puzzle. There's a 40,000-piece puzzle at the moment. So the one I just finished is six, uh, 36,000 pieces. And this is a 40,000 piece and um, my wife just shook her head at me. I just showed her the picture and she just <laughs> didn't even say a word, just looked at me with that devil, those devil eyes. Outstanding. That's enough of the jigsaw puzzles, Jeff. Let's get on to my team. You are asking the questions of me this week and let's begin. I'll read you through my back line. Here we go. Dan Houston, Sam Doherty, James H. I did start at D3. Dylan Robertson, Fisher McCassie. Jared Brander at D6. I did start with a non-playing rook in defence, Toby Watson, and Brandon Starsevich was my D8. Yep. Interesting, mate. So, look, um, what was the uh, key decisions in, in building your defence? Because you got two rooks there. Firstly, it was I had Jake Lloyd in my defence for quite a period of the pre-season. And obviously, once we're getting on crunching a round one team, cash was obviously required. And I figured that not starting Lloyd to free up some cash was a worthwhile decision. I thought Houston and Doherty were a lock, so they were in my round one starting team. Watson, a non-playing rookie, I needed for a captain loophole at any stage. I went down from Noble, who I actually really wanted to start in defence, I bypassed coming down to McCassie. Now, I figured that coming would be a volatile scorer, and that proved correct in round one. And I didn't think McCassie would score all that well, but I thought he could get close to the coming score, which was end up being both low, and I was pretty much on the money there. And what that would happen with McCassie would be that I could flip him to Hayden Young at any stage once. Yeah, okay. Hayden Young was named. So what that did was going from Noble all the way down, and it was as part of my final decisions. And again, I really wanted to start Noble in defence, but I couldn't just because I didn't have enough cash. So I went all the way down to McCassie, and that meant by bypassing coming that I left seventy four thousand actually in the bank, which I thought might be a key decision moving forward. And it's turned out to be pretty much that case because it would give me, 74K would give me some flexibility. Not only the flexibility, it, it would certainly create a unique round one lineup under spending compared to the full amount of the salary cap. Yeah, right. Okay. So are you satisfied with your backline or not? Uh, pretty concerned, actually. Obviously, McCassie with a low score in round one. I don't think Brander's job security is quite as high as I would like. And having a non-starting rookie at uh, D7 or D8 or whatever it is, that's a bit of an issue there, especially when I've got a D7 or 8 again at Brandon Stasevich. So 
when AFL Fantasy does reopen, the two of my trades probably might be spent on the last two positions on field for defence. And then not only that, I've got James Ash, who his role is going to be switched around this year, but I figured Dockers are going to hold on to the ball a little bit more. So I might see that one play for a few more games. And Dylan Robertson, uh, there is some concern for me uh, when I went back and reviewed the game recently on his actual role this year. Because when you're throwing Ben Long back into that defence and using his foot skills to come out of defence, Hunter Clark is obviously another player that is used by the Saints coming out of defence. And when you consider the height of Robertson, his role could actually be to match up on a, a second or third key opposition forward so that could actually limit his scoring, and that's pretty much what I did see in round one. So I do have four issues, uh, potentially five, and most of my trades, if not probably all of them, might be spent on defence in round two. Right, there you go. All right, so um, your midfield, mate, what does that look like? You, you kept your midfield pretty close to your chest in our off-air off sort of discussion, so hit me. Josh Kelly at M1. Jack McRae at M2, Stephen Cornelio at M3, Tom Mitchell M4, Andrew McGrath, who I said a couple of podcasts ago that I did start. Uh, he came in at M5. Maddie Rowell, Tom Green, and Marley and Pickett to round off on-field rookies. On the bench for midfielders, Justin McInerney, Tyler Brown, and I did actually start on the bench at utility position, uh, Noah Anderson, uh, my... Obviously, I did start with a lot of rooks in my team at round one, and Noah Anderson was the last in there. I really wanted Robertson to play round one, and that was going back to the part of my noble decision, is that when, and it was quite unfortunate actually, because when Robertson, Devin Robertson for Brisbane wasn't named, that meant I had to go up to Anderson, and that meant I did not have enough money for John Noble, which meant uh, right. which meant I had to go instead of going coming, I went down to McCassie. Mac- so uh, that Robertson not being named in round one, which it, it was fifty fifty whether he was going to get named or not, and eventually he came in as an emergency. So it's, the way that played out I was a little bit disappointed because I would have got my Noble instead of McCassie. But anyway, that's the way it works sometimes. But anyway, that's my midfield. All right, and, and the key decisions behind the midfield, mate? I wanted ceiling players at M1, M2, M3. I've got that in Kelly, McRae, and Cornelio. I didn't want to go Dunkley. I thought a lot of people might go the McRae-Dunkley um, combination in their midfield. I didn't want any part of that, especially with what I seen in the Bulldogs' draw in the first six rounds. Obviously, that's going to change up now regardless anyway. So... I didn't think the Bulldogs would go four and one or five and one to start the year. I figured, and looking through that draw to start the year, that they could actually be three three. Now they were disappointing in round one, and I'm going to excuse every team in round one. I spoke about that in a couple of podcasts previous, but I didn't want any part of Dunkley. Uh, yes, his scores were great last year, but if any one player was going to fail with Bailey Smith and Lipinski going into that midfield, I figured that the one person who could fail would be Dunkley, and one sample size in, uh, that's proven to be correct, but you know, that could turn back the other way at any stage. And obviously, Cornelio, I thought he was actually quite a bit of value in that midfield as well, and with his high ceiling, I think that'll pay off 
the Giants and Geelong was not a high-scoring fantasy game. No, it wasn't. But I figure that that is going to pay off in the long run. With And I figure the Giants are going to be one of the highest-scoring fantasy teams in the AFL this year, hopefully when we do get a season on. I thought Mitchell was a lock straight up, so I was pretty satisfied there. Uh, McGrath, I did get on to him late. Uh, we did speak about his midfield usage over the preseason. And from once he uh, he was designated for a midfield role, an increased midfield usage role, um, that I was happy to get on him. And it was, he was actually the hot, my high scoring mid, so that actually turned out pretty well. Good, good. All right. So, what's the areas of improvement in the uh, in the midfield, mate? Uh, pretty much for me, it is Tom Green. Uh, looking back in the yeah. footage, looking back in the footage at round one and. I would suspect most of our listeners are on Tom Green in their midfield. So this is what I did uh, identify in the GWS and Geelong game, is that when, and and Tom Green did start quite a few centre bounces in that middle, and what it was, and Matt DeBoer was tagging Dangerfield. So what Dangerfield did when the ball got bounced, and it was quite interesting because I was noticed when I was reviewing it is that Dangerfield and the ball weren't in the TV shot. So what I was thinking was, well, why is that? It was pretty much every time that Tom Green was going in for a centre bounce, Dangerfield withdrew, taking the ball with him. Then it was Tom Green and one other GWS player versus either Selwood and, or Guthrie or Duncan or Narkel in there. So they were willing to play a two-on-two matchup. With besides the Ruckman. So that was quite interesting that the way that played out. Yeah, okay. All right. So they so you're saying Geelong didn't value Tom Green's on field sort of threat. No, he got crushed in that midfield. Yeah. So I suspect and once again most most of our listeners will have Green in there. I suspect and this is the thing, is that when we go back, Ward's gonna be available to play and there's yeah. there's no Neafel anymore. And what else we got in there? We've got Taranto, who was, I think it was about a 10-week injury. So he's going to be close to return. So I think the job security for Green is quite sketchy at this stage. And I wouldn't be too surprised if he's not playing in round two, whenever that is, Jep. All righty. All right, so your ruck line, mate. Let's move on to the rucks and the infamous uh, three players. Okay, I did start with Brody Grundy, Max Gorn, and Sam Sam Nath Smith at R three. Far out! So you went all out and spent spent big. Yes. So what I wanted to do was have the scoring power in my ruck to be a baseline in my team scores each week. Uh, for me, I wanted Grundy all along, and I did mention in that in the preseason podcast, I was never moving from Grundy. And if I didn't get a big score out of Sam Doherty with a vice captain loophole in round one, it was going on to Grundy, and that actually worked out well because Grundy was my highest scoring player for the round. Uh, I did move on to Max Gorn late in the preseason. I did have Riley O'Brien sitting there for the majority of the preseason. I thought he was quite valuable, but looking at his preseason form and his scoring rate, I started to question that, especially in that second game against. Uh, the Gold Coast Suns. So then looking at the the uh, ownership for Gorn, and we did mention it pretty much all that pre-season, Jeb, where he was down at 9%, 9% for yeah. Gorn and 10% for Gorn, and it, it just it just kept like flashing in front of my face. I mean, we're getting Gorn for 9 and 10%. He ended up being 14%. I was actually quite happy with that. 
And for me, though, I thought that was pretty much, and I wanted to spend up in rucks, I thought that was pretty much a no-brainer to head up to Gorn. And for me, uh, we did speak about Naismith as a starting R2 or R3 option. Uh, once he was a solo, and I was going to start with Naismith pretty much uh, when he was in full fitness anyway as a two-ruck combination at Sydney, but especially when Longmire decided to go with one ruck at the Adelaide Oval, I thought Sam Naismith was an absolutely smash at R3 if you weren't starting him on the field at R2. So I know you didn't start with Naismith at all, but I thought he was an absolute smash at R3. Alrighty, yeah, no, I, I just don't feel comfortable in you know within myself to to put the extra spend on the bench, and you've done that already with Anderson and Nate Smith, so that's interesting. So look, you sound pretty pretty content with how you went. Um, any room for improvement in the rucks? Yeah, very satisfied there. Uh, no areas for improvement in the ruck for me, except for just to cash out Nate Smith. Hopefully as quickly as possible. So I, I suspect he's going to be one of the highest cash earners in AFL fantasy in the early part of the season. So I need to cash him out as quickly as possible so I can start to build that team, as, which is was full of not full of rookies, but is has quite a few rookies. Alrighty, okay, mate. All right, now the last line, the the, the forward line, and throwing your utility at the end. Well, I did start with no Anderson in the midfields at Utility, so it's already been done. So as the forwards, it was Lockie Whitfield, Devin Smith, Andrew Brayshaw. Lockie Schultz at F4, Curtis Taylor at 5, and Connor Bruderick at F6. I did did end up starting at Ben Kavara at F7 and Max King at F8. Right, interesting. There you go. So... um Key decisions with that, mate, with with the forward line. You saw a bit of value too by the sounds of it in the forward line. Yeah, for me, there's a little bit of value there. I wanted to own Whitfield no matter what, so he was never moving out of my team all pre-season. Um, I did want to start Jack Stephen at F2, but late, obviously, once he had that calf injury over the Christmas period and he wasn't getting back into training as quickly as I expected, that uh, I had to move off Jack Stephen, unfortunately, because I think his midfield usage is going to be quite high at Geelong, and I moved on to Devon Smith, which is a little bit suspect considering that I wanted to start Andrew McGrath in my midfield, and if I was starting thinking Andrew McGrath was a solid start in the Essendon midfield, that was likely uh, at the expense of Smith's midfield usage, so that might be one decision that I might regret there. Uh, Happy to own some rookie forwards. I thought that was quite a decent part of the ground to start. Quite a few rookies on the ground with decent job security. I think uh, the the rookies there, Taylor and Buderick, I think Buderick's potentially suspect, but I've got Max Kinn there as cover there. Cavara might be an issue at F7. I didn't think he was too good, but then again, the Bulldogs didn't take the ball too much forward in that, that first half of the game against Collingwood and I thought Curtis Taylor actually responded after a poor first half in his game against the Saints. I'm happy even though Lockie Shorts didn't score too well, I'm happy with his role there and I think the scores will eventually come uh, with Shorts. Right, yeah, mate. Okay, so um, what are you um, what are you going to look to in your forward line? Are you going to touch it or are you going to um, leave, it, leave it as is if your defence is worrying you? So for me, it's the area of concern there for me is Andrew Brayshaw. I didn't like his 20% ownership, hated his 30%, and I end up locking him in with a 42% ownership. 
in that forward line. I Peer think, pressure, hey? Yeah. Well, I just wanted to be part of the Crabs. I thought he <laughs> would actually crush his value, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, especially early on. He can respond, so I'm likely to leave him there for a couple more games. Yeah, and, me too. As is, and to see how that pulls up. But if I don't have too many other trades to attend to, and I think, I got, as I mentioned earlier, I think that back line's a bit of an issue that I might have to spend some trades on. But if I don't have many, many trades to spend on at heading into round two, that I might actually revisit the idea of trading uh, Brayshaw out due to that 40, 42% ownership, and I might find a different way for a little bit of unique action there. And again, for me, I'm just happy to hold shorts at this stage. Uh, it wasn't too much of an issue, especially at a low salary there with a low score in round one, Jep. All right. Good to know. And uh, overall, mate, you're pretty happy, or what do you think? Yeah, I'm actually quite happy. Uh, my team build strategy for round one uh, and for the early part of the season was to target ceiling players. I wanted yeah. to I wanted to minimise risk in volatile players, and obviously once we start to head down in salary, uh, volatility starts to increase there. So I wanted to minimise risk. I pretty much guns and rookies approach there for me and my team. I did look at once we had reduced quarters there. I was either going to go one way or the completely uh, the other way. But I suspect that if you go guns and rookies, that by the time you get to round 17 in an overall sort of strategy of scoring the most fantasy points, that I think by the time upgrades are completed, that those who start with the approach that I did might actually catch those who start with a midfield approach. So it was definitely it was one way or another for me, and I end up going with the guns and walks there. So, um, and a- again for me, uh, I wanted to start with a unique la- lineup, and I think I actually did that. Good mate. And um, look, I already know the answer to this question because um, we keep pretty close tabs. But did you change much in the lead up to round one? Not much at all, actually. So again, it was a, a bit of a potential change of my entire squad in the last 48 hours. Obviously, we didn't know whether we were going to get a season in and the reduced quarters there and into a 17-game season. So that was all late-breaking news, uh, which pretty much could have ripped apart some teams. Uh, but for me, I didn't change that actually that much. Uh, there were a couple of bench players and rookies and once they were named on the Thursday night there was a couple of adjustments there but pretty much my structure was maintained all the way through pre-season. Well done mate, so you're pretty happy with your team then? Yeah, pretty, quite satisfied and I'm happy that I'm, I've got 74k in the bank before AFL Fantasy opens because that will give me plenty of flexibility to adjust yeah. uh, pre-round two um, and, I, and again, that, that was the 74 grand spare was coming down from Noble because Robertson didn't get named in round one. So therefore, I had to upgrade to Anderson in my overall approach uh, of my team build. And I by, bypassed coming to get the extra money in the bank. I went down to McCassie, even though McCassie didn't score well. But um, yeah, quite satisfied. Hopefully we get a season in jet because I really want to see how this plays out. Uh, I did score just under 1,500 points in round one and that was 1,485 and I'm ranked at 25K. So I'm not too... You, you beat me by 12, buddy. Yeah, not too dissatisfied with the score in round one. 
because I think with the, the way I've built that team and my potential early upgrades that my, my team can actually crush from about round five and six on onwards once I get some upgrades going. So for me, I'm actually quite satisfied, Jip. Good, mate. Well, that's good. And look, yeah, round one's done. And like you said, let's here's hoping we get a season in and um, footy's back and we can get back to our life as we know it um, as soon as possible. Excellent, Jep. So before I close this podcast, if you'd like a chance of scoring a plus six podcast cap, just retweet any podcast link that is sent out via Twitter. We'll give a few away at the midway point of the season whenever that is. Jeb, on that note, we'll wrap up this podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.